We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. And today we are here to do our first of what will be many NFL draft profiles for the 2023 NFL draft. For those of you who are new to the podcast and have joined us after last year's draft cycle, during the draft process, Nick and I do a lot of content around the draft as we get closer. Usually we start to actually do these a little bit later last year. We're starting a little earlier than this year. And I made a note of Nick. We have to make sure to save some of the big, some of the guys that could be in play for the Giants for sure for, for in uh, later March and April when people are more focused on this stuff. We don't want them to get buried. But having said that, we wanted to get to some profiles earlier. And like I was about to say, during draft season, March and April, we're going to be pounding the table with draft content here at the Big Blue Banter Podcast. For those who don't know, we have these individual draft profile podcasts. Then we're going to be do, going to have a ton of draft analysts and former players on the show to discuss the draft. We're going to do position breakdowns, top five, sleepers, breakouts, bust. So just check out our feed and go all the way back to last April, and you can kind of see some of the content that you're that we'll have planned and that we get that we delivered last year. We're planning to deliver again this year, but we start things off always with the draft profiles. So. Today, we are doing our first draft profile of the new, and it's always, you know, it feels like we're ushering in um, draft season when we start with one of these, Nick. And we're going to start today with our first draft profile of Quinton Johnston, the wide receiver out of TCU. Widely believed, I believe, or consensus, I would say, look, everybody has their own wide receiver one in this class, but I think the majority are putting their chips over uh, on the table for Quinton, Quinton Johnston. I think he will ultimately be the first receiver drafted, depending on what he runs the 40-yard dash in. And if it's as fast as people suggest it might be, I think then he becomes a lock for the first receiver coming off the board. So why do I say that? We can start there. Why do I say that about Quinn Johnson? I think ultimately in the NFL, you are always looking for the potential X receiver for your offense. That's what you want to spend the big draft capital on. One way to project an X receiver is, does he have the frame for it? And in this class, Quinton Johnson is one of the only receivers I think who has the combination of frame and speed, frame and long stride speed. And he's six foot four, 215, projected to run in the 4 4 range. I think when you watch his tape, Nick, the vertical speed and vertical separation is there. Really good stride length. I have issues with Quinton Johnson's game. He's not my exact type of receiver that I like because I think the vertical speed is there. I worry about the speed on the horizontal plane and on the, you know, 90 degree cuts, things of that nature. Does he have that in his game? But there is still always for me with these types of prospects, the ceiling, right? Like AJ green 
one of the best receivers of my generation that I grew up with, Nick, that we grew up with. He never really, in my opinion, he, he in, in, in a lot of ways, won on the outside, back shoulder balls, deep passing game on that vertical plane. He wasn't somebody who was winning a lot, in my opinion, with sharp cuts over the middle or creating that kind of separation. So I still think there's like that ceiling toward that player. Go ahead. I agree with you, but I'll say this about Quentin Johnson. And I didn't want to start this podcast on a negative because I do like Quentin Johnson. And I think there is certainly a place in the NFL for a player with this skill set. But AJ Green won contested catch situations yes. and 50 50 balls so much more consistently than Quentin Johnston. And I know his PFF contested catch rate is much better than, than what I saw on film, I believe. Let's see. Actually, maybe not. It's 34.8%. So I was wrong there. Even PFF, I guess, noted this in, in their analysis of contested catches. It's just when you have a receiver who wins on the vertical plane at the collegiate level, you want to see him climb that proverbial ladder. Right. Right. And extend away from his frame and make contested catches, strong hand catches a la a DeAndre Hopkins. And yes. that's just not something that I saw a lot with Quinton Johnston's tape. He didn't do it at the college level. He's more than likely not going to just develop that at the next level when he's going up against much better cornerbacks. So that was my big, I think, critique of Quinton Johnston. But I didn't want to start this podcast like that just because I don't want it to, I don't want to make it like I, I hate this player because I do believe that if he lands in the right system, who can leverage what he does do well, which we will go over on this podcast, then he can be a really, a, a really big addition to the team that adds him. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think part of the issue for him in those contested catch situations, because you talked about AJ Green winning on that vertical plane, right? He was also really good at those back shoulders because he was really good in the contested catch situation. And Johnston has the same catch radius. But like you said, the issue is still just a 34.8% contested catch rate in 2022 for PFF, very low number, eight drop passes in 2022. Not a good, that's a pretty high number. Part of the issue for me is that I still, I, and I hate when I see this with receivers on tape. And I saw this with Wondell Robinson, and we didn't like it. I, and we I know what you're going to say, yeah. He's, he's, a, a, he's a body catcher. Yep. And these non-hands catchers, these guys who don't attack the ball with their hands, ah, I, they, I always struggle to get fully on board with them because, look, he's a weird prospect, right? Because you think a guy who's six foot four with that kind of vertical speed would be what you just said, right? He's like a Hopkins green type. He wins against the catch situations. He uses huge catch radius. He catches away from his frame as the hands, but he's not. But then he offers things that you just don't expect for a guy of his size. For example, 184 yards on screen passes. You do not expect a player like this to be a big time screen impact game guy. And he is also 19 force missed tackles in space from Quinton Johnson. That's 11th most of all wide receivers in 2022 per PFF. He's a yak guy. You do not expect this guy who's a vertical receiver, chews up ground with long strides, stride length to be what he is after the catch. That's what impresses me a lot with Quinton Johnson. There's So it's really interesting profile. Then there's like the third thing he does that I don't expect from receiver with his kind of build and frame, which is he's weirdly has really good like bask. I, I, I like when I wrote this up in my profile for CBS Sports because I did a profile on him. I said he reminds me in some ways of the ways that Travis Kelsey wins in the NFL that uh, Antonio Gates used to win. It almost looks like I'm watching a former basketball power forward who converted the tight end, but he's not. He's a receiver in this sense, in the sense that when he turns his back on the stick routes to the to the to the back of the field and he turns toward the quarterback, he does a really good job with his feet separating from that spot. That is a really difficult thing to create separation on a stick route. When you make that curl route or whatever it is, and you turn your back and you catch the football. 
We've seen this with the Giants during the Jason Garrett era, two years of offense. Those receivers are usually done. They catch the ball and they get tackled, forced fumble, gets tipped. But he does a really good job of nifty footwork, almost like a basketball player who understood how to box out and play in the low post, of creating separation post-catch. And that adds to that whole mystique and that ability that I saw on tape of him as a post-catch, yards after the catch kind of receiver. So with that part of his profile, Nick, I have a little bit more excitement, a little more hope because, yes, he's not a great contested catch receiver. He's not a hands catcher right now, but he does offer something really unique for a player of his build and size. He's spry, man. Very nibble. Yep. Great footwork coming out of the break on those curls. And he understands where the defender is and what angle they're going to take. Because it happened a lot on his film. And I have that in my profile over at Giants Country Sports Illustrated. If anybody wants to go check it out, Patricia Trainer's site. I said, he's an ideal fit for Jason Garrett-led offense. And that right. is not a knock on Quinton Johnston. Yeah. It's more of a knock and a shot at Jason Garrett for yeah. running just so many curl and stick routes. But you're right, man. If he is in sync with his quarterback, and he was with TCU's Max Doug, if he's in sync with him, and that ball is coming right when he comes out of that break, he makes that defensive back miss more often than not, it seemed like, which is very difficult to do, especially at six foot four, 215 pounds. So that's the appeal of Quentin Johnston right there. You do not find many players who are that big and this athletic with this much body control and nimbleness in his footwork right. and ability to make people miss in a phone booth in a short area, especially when he has his back turned to them. So there's something very special about that that can be leveraged at the next level. And this might sound weird because I'm going to use a good adjective first and then a bad adjective after Nick, okay. but, and these aren't great adjectives, but they are adjectives, I think. He kind of reminds me in some ways, just because we just did last year's class, of like a faster and better yak, but also overall just worse all around Drake London. That's Dude, kind I of what gonna, I was just about to say that. I was yeah. going to say he is a worse Drake London. because you but, don't remember, faster, but faster and better after the catch, but worse yes. in so many other ways. Remember how USC used Drake London? How many screens did they yeah. throw to that guy? It was just get the football to Drake London. Like get the football to Tucker London from has Arnold. Like the good footwork too. Yes, and London is like that, but London to me is a much just better, better. overall prospect. All around better, but not faster yeah. and not better after the catch. Exactly, but people are going to look at Quentin Johnston and be like, yo, you're fast, especially if he goes to the combine, which a lot of people might be listening to this combine might have already happened. If he right. runs in the four threes or the oh low four God. fours. You can lock him in top 10 if he runs. No one six foot four, 215 running in the four threes isn't going top 10. Exactly. And then he can come into the NFL. But like to me, man, it, it's going to boil down to can you make those contested catch? Because you're not going to have as much space that you did in the Big 12, right? right? At the NFL level. And this is True. still somebody who the most touchdowns he had in a season was six. Like it wasn't like this guy was a, a dominant touchdown presence. And he played for TCU, which was a really good offense. They went all they were the number two team in the nation at the end of the year and got their asses just kicked by Georgia. But Man, if, if you can't if you can't make those contested catches, dude, in the NFL with that size and that profile, it, it's it's a little bit difficult. But at the same time, he can create separation via athletic ability through his athletic ability, which means he might not be in the situation where he has to make as many contested catches as the DeAndre Hopkins of the world and as the AJ Green. Right. But if you're talking about a top ten pick, you want him to be able to command and demand at the catch point, and that's just not something that's part of his profile. At least it wasn't in college, and I don't see it just progressing in the NFL. And you want him to be able to be a hands catcher away from his frame because that's one of the yes. biggest advantages of having a frame that well, you know, having a catch radius like that. Can you separate away from your frame? Because then it becomes really hard to defend you without pass interference, right? And if you do, you have to have a really long corner to be able to match up against a player like that if he is using his full catch radius. It almost goes to waste if you're six foot four and you let the ball come into you. 
right? If you let it come come into your body, then you're almost kind of wasting it. Even on some of his best plays, we went up top to catch the football. They were body catches. Like there was that one deep one. I'm forgetting now. It's a game that you know it's a to play. A lot of people use to break down break down his game. And and it was a it was kind of like a deep post, I guess, that Duggan just kind of threw up there. But he he rose. He he high pointed the football kind of, but then he let it come into his body, and it was like. Nah, I don't want to see that. I want to see him high point it with his hands, Nick. And I think it's about the Texas game. Is that the one Texas, where, yeah. where uh, the, the defense, nobody even guarded him? I don't know yeah, what I don't exactly know what was going happened. on with the defense yeah. there, but it is Big 12 defense, which we have to for sure keep in mind, especially when you're talking about like the differences in what kind of space he's going to have. But having said that, I think one thing about Quinton Johnson that I wanted to bring up first, because we're going to talk about his release packages. And I think he's people have discussed how he's kind of nuanced in that regard. And I think he does have some interesting, you know, moves off the line of scrimmage, but in the red zone, you talked about how he maxed out at six touchdowns in a season at his size and speed. That's a pretty low number, especially in the big 12. I felt like in the red zone, dude, he didn't do a great job of selling his red zone uh, moves like his double moves or whatever he was trying to do in the red zone. So he didn't create a lot of separation in that regard. And then, like you said, he wasn't great in those contested catch situations. So I feel like as a red zone receiver, you expect this guy to come in and immediately be this dominant, uh, great red zone receiver, but I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. Neither am I. And that's another huge demerit for Quentin Johnston, but he has the size. He has the athletic ability. He's quick footed. So you would imagine he was going to develop more of a release package when he sees more press alignment. And he's somebody who is an actual outside wide receiver. Now I want to ask you too, man, have you, did you get to watch any of the Kansas state tape? Cause he was I did going not up see the Kansas state game. No. So they played twice. They played in week eight, and then they played in the Big 12 championship. Kansas State has a cornerback named Julius Brents who has porn type of length. Like This is a this was the catch I was talking about, by the way. Oh, this is the catch you were talking about. This, yeah, is, the one. this is the one I want to see him high point with his hands. Let's not watch like it one more time. And this is this is one of his best contested catches. He does catch it with the body, but he still comes down with it. Double coverage. Like This is where, a play where people would be like, oh, look, he made it there. It's just like I've watched a lot of Quentin Johnson tape. You don't see that all that often. Right. Like that's not something that you see. Like you yeah. see what you're seeing right now, him which is great. Catching it with his body. And look at the speed, like the speed, the, yeah. the, the separation, the post catch strength, all that, that makes him unique too. Right. Like at six foot four, guys don't do the guys don't have that kind of in space ability that he has. Exactly. Exactly. It's just he's not a natural catch catcher of the football. But no. back to the Kansas State thing. So he right. was going up against Julius Brents, who has porn type of length, because this is a dude who is like six foot four, has almost 34 inch arms, which is <laughs> 99th percentile at cornerback. And I would say in week eight, Brents did a pretty good overall job against Quentin Johnson. I can pull up the stats right here. Quentin Johnston was held to eight targets, four catches for 74 yards and a touchdown in that game. I don't believe all, all of the, that what came against Julius Brents, but Brents saw a lot of him. But then in the uh, conference championship game, Johnson only caught four balls, but it was for 137 yards. And he was kind of toasting Brents. And I actually believe the, the Brents touchdown in, or, or the, uh, Johnston touchdown in week eight came against Brents, but Brents, I think like pulled his hammy on the play, but he also missed his jam at the line of scrimmage, which is great for Quentin Johnston and Johnston just evaded him and went for a long touchdown. And that's one of my concerns with Brents. We'll probably yeah. get a draft profile in on him as well as just deep speed and recoverability. But the fact that Quentin Johnston was able to come out in the conference championship game and come and, and, and drop four for 137 on 
on Brents and then also drew a a flag in the end zone where where Johnston had him beat. That's great for Quentin Johnston because you want to be able to go up against NFL talent. And that's probably somebody who's going to be like a, a day two pick, maybe a high day two pick, possibly slipping to day one, Julius Brents, if he ends up actually performing well at the combine. I think he's going to have those speed questions because if you watch Brents' tape, not to get into Brents, it's uh guys get behind him sometimes, which is definitely a concern for uh, for a press cornerback. But Quentin Johnston going up against Brents and winning some of those matchups is definitely good for him. Right there, like yeah. the play with the saw. Yeah, sorry, sorry for the podcast. Like if he did this more often, right? Even we though that's not a that catch. way more often that play right there. So for the podcast audience, he climbed. Now it's not a catch; it's actually out of bounds because it was a bad throw from Duggan. But he climbs the ladder, goes over the top of the cornerback, reaches away from his frame. Yeah. Great concentration, great tracking. Hauls it in, pulls it into his body, and then lands. Now he doesn't get his feet in bounds, but that is a fantastic catch right there. If he did that more consistently, I'd be like, yeah, this is a surefire top ten pick. Yes. It's just, it's not something you see consistently. And again, he's going up against Big Twelve cornerbacks these guys are going to be accountants as we love to say on the big blue banter podcast <laughs> no you love to say that i'm saying they're not going to be accountants i never understood the accounting thing maybe like the princeton guys but other than that no <laughs> there's, these guys. there's not that many accounting jobs just being flying around there but i'll say this we, we, we touch on a lot of the negatives already um we can get into the scouting stuff soon in the breakdown of the traits because there are a lot of things i want to talk about more specifically but ultimately nick there are a lot of pros to Quinton Johnson too. And, and if the Giants, like if he fell to 25, which he won't, I don't think so. It doesn't matter. But if he did and the Giants took him, I would not, I would be happy with the pick because Same. I think about it like last year, for example, right? When we did our top five receivers, remember that podcast we did, we had different top fives than you and I, but I had Christian Watson in my top five and I was a huge fan of Christian Watson coming into last year's draft. If I love Watson, Nick, it's not fair for me not to like Quinton Johnson. If Quinton Johnson runs, I thought Watson was a tick faster on tape, but it was also North Dakota state. So it's hard to really evaluate like that. Like those guys look faster probably against those types of players. And, and I think that is sometimes the problem I run into when I watch big 10 teams and big 10 tapes. I'm a big 10 guy. I feel like there's a, there's a lack of speed in the big 10. Um, there's just trudging a lot out there, especially at the safety position. So I just feel like the safeties in the big 10 are super slow. But if I liked Watson's game so much, it's hard for me not to say, I really like Quinton Johnson, right? There are a lot of similarities in their game. The, the, the yak ability, the post catch speed. The That's Brent's, by the way, on the, on the telly right now for those, right. There, 20. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, that's Brent's, and you can see right here he grabs the hamstring, but I think he was already well beaten at that point. So, just getting back into that real quick because I want to get your take on this: the post catch ability, the create the ability to create vertical separation, the vertical speed, the playmaking ability in space with Watson. Speaking to Watson and Johnston, what do you because you evaluated both prospects, Nick? What do you see similarities and differences in? between those types because if you see a lot of similarities it's probably going to make me at least consider reevaluating where i'm at with johnson because i loved watson and i think after year one i feel really really good about that evaluation of christian watson we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think Christian Watson was just very raw, but he was an athlete who was playing wide receiver and he could figure it out. He didn't a have a little bit better of an athlete than Johnson, are you thinking? I would say so. Yes, yeah. I I think so. I think Christian Watson is like an elite athlete. I think pretty sure he tested that way. I don't have any of the numbers. In oh yeah, his right his now. his mock draft. It's like ninety seventh percentile across the board. And Quentin Johnston only has one year of production: sixty catches for one thousand sixty seven yards, six touchdowns. The, he had six touchdowns in his previous season, but he only had six hundred and four yards. But it was on thirty three reception so he averaged 18.8 yards per catch in a better conference than North Dakota State so he was more productive than Christian Watson and that's that's something right and he also played on a team that went all the way to the national championship that's also something and he was probably the best offensive player on that team so every defense was scheming to remove Quentin Johnston I think I would like Quentin Johnston more than Christian Watson coming out now okay. Christian Watson seems to have hit his stride in the NFL and if you just get the football in his hands quickly he, he's going to make players miss and he's going to take it the distance. I think he has a little bit more juice, I would say, a little bit more acceleration, a little bit more speed, things like that than Quentin Johnson. But I don't know by how much because I don't see typically many guys who can move this well like Quentin right. Johnson is right now on your screen if you're watching, who can do these types of things at his size. I think that, I would have Quentin Johnson a little bit high. I don't know if I would have Quentin Johnson in my top five from last year, though. I'm a little I probably would, but it's just not the same as years past. Like right. he's not. Like, to me, he's not a prospect like Jamar Chase. He's not a prospect no. like Jalen Waddle, right? Like he's a tier or two below those top end guys, even Devonta Smith, of course. Yeah, for sure. He's not at that. that we don't have that kind of class this year for sure. But I was just curious to, to compare those two because that was a player who in, had similar – not they're not exact the same, but they had similar pros and cons. Like I, I one thing like Quentin Johnson has better lower lower ankle flexion. I think just feel like he's a more uh, he's a less stiff athlete than Watson, but he's also not as good a leaper as Watson. He's not as, doesn't have the same kind of speed and breakaway ability. So it's just interesting to think about. But the second point I want to make is here's the reason why a Quentin Johnson is going to be a good draft pick for you, even if he doesn't improve on his cat, like the things that we discussed that are his weaknesses, no matter what, if you have a Quentin Johnson on the field on your offense, it changes the way defenses have to scheme against you. If you have a Wandell Robinson on the field, defenses are not scheming differently against you. If you have a Jordan Addison on the field, if you have a Zay flowers guys that I ultimately may have graded higher than Johnson, or I may prefer more for the giants, they could be more productive players but they may not, even if they are more productive, have the same kind of impact. Does that make sense, Nick? So my point there is, sure, if you put them both on the Giants, maybe Jordan Addison has a better first season and a better second season from a just pure yards, catches, that standpoint. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's having a bigger impact on the football team. If a defense is scheming differently because Quinton Johnson's on the field and they're rolling safety coverage over the top every time because they don't want to get burned or they have to like, they don't have any corners that can match up with them from a size standpoint. So now they're like figuring things out and they're putting some like big corner they have just because they want to match up against him and try to have better. Time. Now you're doing all these different things schematically as a defensive coordinator that are impacting what you can do overall to stop the opposing team's offense versus a Wandell out there moving around in the slot. Nothing's really changing on your defense. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's the unwritten part of all this is when you add that speed element, especially someone as good as Quentin Johnson, yes. who can add elite speed while also being a lot better of a prospect overall than say a John Ross who has that having the frame 
and having the size. And having the frame and having the size that could definitely prompt defensive coordinators to roll coverage or just force their number one cornerback on that player. And then you can align that player on the backside of three by one sets and just operate yeah. out of the three by one set. And you can just do a lot of different things, right? By having him have free access to the outside. Now you need the corner court, <laughs> you need the quarterback to attack the, uh, the free access player who is to the field side, that wide side. That's something that, you know, we want to see a little bit more consistently from Daniel Jones. We would love that, but overall, yes, adding a player like that could change the foundation of your, of your defense. But I'll say this, man, of how defenses play you. There's a lot of draft picks that were similar to Quentin Johnston that did not work out in the NFL for some yes. reason, right? Now, he's not going to have issues creating separation, right? And we heard Joe Shane recently just basically say, that's what we look for in our wide receivers, separation ability. Quentin Johnston is not going to have those types of issues, but we've seen the Kevin Whites of the world, right? West Virginia wide receiver. That's Big 12. I think it was Big 12 back then too, because I believe they, they got added to it a little bit more recently, but I'm not 100% certain about that. Coming to the NFL, elite speed, have the separation ability, just absolutely flame out. Some of this is injury related, but at the same time, man, some of it is because you have these other parts of their game that aren't complete that you just project aren't going to be an issue, but then they end up being an issue. And now all you have is a tall and fast guy out there. I don't think that's Quentin Johnson's destiny. I think Quentin Johnson will be a, a good overall NFL player, but... It just depends on where you want to select him. I want to talk about just strengths and weaknesses, what we saw on the tape, because we haven't done all that. Some of them will be repeats, but we can just get go through both of what we saw in our notes and our strengths and weaknesses and, see, and compare those notes. Um, but as far as what you said, yeah, it's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, I said at the top of the show, Nick, this is not my kind of receiver. I don't, I like to make the gambles on like the Zay Flowers types more, the guys who I see on tape, like, with the nuances in their route running, creating separation, getting in and out of their breaks with so much explosion. He's not a receiver, in my opinion, who's getting in and out of his 90 degree cuts and his breaks with a lot of explosion. Yes, he has good footwork, which is interesting on those stick routes, but I didn't see a guy who, first of all, ran that like big of a route tree, and second of all, was creating that much separation on the on the horizontal plane. I saw more of a guy who's creating vertical separation. So when you have those kind of guys, we don't know, Nick. Like For example, like with the Kevin White example that you brought up, once he got to the NFL level, he had a lot of injuries too, so that's part of it. But there's other guys like White who we're probably not thinking of right now who failed with the similar type of build and profile. I mean, can you, uh, Nikhil Harry is one of those examples. A lot of people now, He could not create separation like this. He though. cannot create separation yeah. like this. Agreed. He doesn't have that kind of speed. Um, but there's a chance that like you get to the NFL level and what if, you know, Quinton Johnson is the type of receiver who struggles a bit more with NFL level cornerbacks with their kind of length in press man coverage, right? Or something like that. Like there's a chance that you can get to a point with him where he can be taken out of the game easily because they the defense is no to play him with outside leverage, the corners, like for example, and he's not creating that much separation on in-breaking routes. I don't know. I, I It's really hard to project that right now with Quinton Johnson. I feel like there were times in his tape, Nick, that I felt like, and we can go over this more in the strengths that we but like I felt like he rounded out some of his routes. I didn't really like how he ran some of his in-breaking routes. Um, so I don't know. There's a chance to me, there's a, always a chance with these types of receivers that they are one trick ponies, but I don't know if I see uh, necessarily like people have said uh Keneal, uh Nikhil Harry or, or Kevin White. I don't know if I see that level because that to me is like a different level of speed overall, too. And they they didn't have it as much as he has it. Yeah, different level of athlete. I'm pretty sure Kevin White yeah. was a was a was a pretty good athlete going back to that draft. And Akil Harry, when when he was a first round pick by the Patriots, everyone was like, "Really? Okay, like, right? All right, like, can he create separation?" And the answer to that was no. He cannot create separation. And he right. still can't create separation. He was a contested catch guy. Yeah, Quentin Johnson isn't that. So they're just polar opposite wide receivers. Their only similarities True. is the fact that they're similar sized.
frame. Yeah. And that goes back to a good point that you made, like as far as the Nikhil Harry types, those guys who climb the ladder and make all those sick contested catches on their highlight tapes. That's like I was saying earlier, that's more of what I mean by that's not my type of receiver. I'm not looking for those guys because those guys fizzle out so easy. If they can't create separation against NFL level cornerbacks, it doesn't matter what they can do in contested catch situations like JJ Ortega Whiteside, like another example of that, right? Like, yeah, good, good examples of receivers who on college, they dominated those college corners. They went up top, they climbed the ladder. They looked awesome doing it. But then in the NFL, separation is really the king. And that's why I was happy when Joe Shane talked about that in his presser, how the number one trait Giants are looking for at the receiver position is not contested catch ability, size, it's separation skills. And to me, that's the one thing that can translate always uh, to the NFL level. But let's dive into some of what we saw when we watched uh, Quinton Johnson from a strengths and weaknesses standpoint. Maybe we can go uh, back and forth with this. I don't know how you want to do this. Well, I have I have bullet points, so okay. that's how I have all my stuff. Yeah, listed. that's how I did it on CBS too. So maybe you'll hit a, some of the, some of the same ones, but you can go over yours and I'll, and I'll dive into it. Here, I'll just go over the athletic ability portion, and then I'll, I'll uh, kind of get into more nuanced things a little bit later. So I start out okay. with ideal size and length for the position. Very true. Long strider with elite acceleration eats into the leverage of defenders and off coverage gets into their toes really quickly. That can force them to backpedal. That can force panic into the the defender, which can also create more separation. Elite athlete with great speed and explosiveness. Very good stop start ability with excellent change of direction on the vertical plane when you're running those stick routes, things like that. Solid outside jab release to create separation on quick slants, deceptive slipperiness in tight quarters, rare short area quickness for a player of his build. He's a little bit upright when he jukes, but he has the shiftiness and the suddenness to force a lot of missed tackles, which we already kind of went over. And then I start getting into other aspects of his game. So if you want to go and discuss your first bullet points, go right ahead. Yeah, I think the 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 top one for me that stood out is that he's a long stride runner. I'm a big fan. I, I was I've learned this recently just through listening to a, a bunch of podcasts and kind of trying to learn from those who are better at this than me, including yourself, Nick. But one thing that I've heard a lot that really sticks with me is like when you watch the tape, look for the stride length of these these vertical receivers. Um, this was one of the things I that that stood out to Greg Cassell about Tyquan Thornton last year, a player who we both loved and. He had that in his game. And I feel like when I watch um, Quinton Johnston, he chews up ground on these vertical routes. Like part of that is because of his stride length and his ability because he's six foot four, really long, really long player with that kind of vertical speed. So I like that a lot. I said in my in my breakdown, I thought he was incredibly fluid in the lower half for a player of his frame. Like I just don't typically see these guys. I talked about it earlier. Reminds me of like, a former power forward basketball convert to tight end, but he's playing the wide receiver position. I thought that he was really, really special, honestly, after the catch for, I mean, no matter if it was like the vertical, the the vertical routes or just running the mesh routes that I saw him run, he found a way to get into space and the stick routes. And then find once he got into space, create more as much yards as he can after that space. I think he looked good from what I saw the, in first man or zone he's better against off coverage obviously i mean it's the big 12 you're mostly seeing off coverage anyway from these cornerbacks but he looked good both ways uh one thing i thought that um maybe he didn't get a lot of credit for but i thought he did a pretty good job of we haven't brought it up yet yet and i see it in my notes i thought he did a pretty good job nick tracking the ball on vertical routes and that's something i like to see for tracking it was one reason i love josh palmer he hasn't fully broken out at the nfl level but i thought he did a pretty solid job there as well and I thought, despite the fact that he doesn't really use his frame well and catch away from his body, he's not good in contested catches. I do feel like he had good contact, uh, I'm sorry, body control and also contact balance, especially considering his frame. 
So these are traits that I'm definitely looking for for a longer frame wide receiver. Um, and then obviously other, other the other things we already discussed. That would be uh, probably my 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 wrap up of his strengths. Yeah, I think uh, you're onto a lot of things. I have a lot of the same things. Let's get another video up here. I got a lot of the same things uh, down the down the strength bullet point list. Yak master, three level threat on the field. Good yeah. overall tracking ability. Gets his eyes on the football. Tracks it into his hands while in stride. Solid body control when leaping for the football and an ability to adjust to said football. Not easy to bring down after the catch because of contact balance, body control, and elusiveness. Has several impact plays to help TCU defeat Oklahoma State in overtime, which displays competitive toughness and just an overall competitive oh, I nature. Like that. Yep. Signs of excellent processing and spatial awareness when running routes. And then I have a, a play against Texas in the first quarter, 252, a third and 16, 29 yard catch on a deep post versus quarters coverage where he fakes like he's going to undercut the, uh, I believe it was the middle hook defender, which got the safety to bite down. And then he went right around him or something like that and was able to outpace him and outrun him and converted a third and 16. And then I had the last one has all the athletic traits to be an excellent route runner with some refinement is how I, I term it. So it's not something that maybe you see consistently, mm -hmm. but I believe the athletic traits that he possesses in terms of his overall fluidity, his flexibility, his ability to contort his body in certain ways. I feel like he can develop into a fine route runner who can run those 90 degree cuts. He just didn't really do it all that often at TCU because he had a lot of separation and people were playing off of him a lot. He didn't really get pressed all that often. So I still yeah. think there are areas where he can develop. It's just my big concerns with him, which we'll, we're about to go over are things where I just don't know if you can improve on that all that much, right? Like the catching right. and this kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some concerns. I, I do it always as strengths and concerns, not weaknesses, because you can always improve on these concerns. Look, there were a lot of concerns coming out for a profile like DK Metcalf that a lot of people expressed. And those concerns ultimately ended up not turning into weaknesses. Uh, and one more thing about the DK Metcalf. I think like a lot of people forget he, he was really injury prone at Ole Miss. Like right. he had back issues. So that was another yeah, reason why yeah. he, it wasn't just like the seven, four, three cone or whatever it yeah. was. It was also the injury. It was that. And they felt like this is the one I always hate when I see, because I think it's the most overrated one. Well, you know, I think 40 yard dash is by far and away the most overrated thing that ruins, ruins draft evals across the board, yeah. but especially at the running back position, it's about the dumbest thing you can look for at running back. But one thing I always think is also overrated is does he run the full route tree? Can he? Cause like DK Metcalf doesn't run. They said he didn't run the full route route tree. He can only do a couple things. Who cares if you run those few routes really well, you can be a dominant receiver immediately. You have actually a clearer path. Those like full route tree guys who don't do anything that well, don't run any route that well. I don't want that. Give me the guy who runs two or three routes. Amazing. And you don't think he has the full route tree over those guys any day, but um, yeah, just something yeah of course. But yeah, I some you. concerns I have for Quinton Johnson, a lot we've discussed already, but the biggest one by far for such a big receiver, he's not really good in contesting catch situation. He can do a much better job of using his frame, his length, his physicality, even like just to box out defenders to come down with some of these 50-50 passes. Much better job there. Not a consistent hands catcher. Allows the pass to come into his body too often. This led to drops. Um if turning Johnson is a hands catcher into a hands catcher is priority number one for me, the route refinement will be priority number two for whichever receivers coach gets a chance to work with him. I feel like he has the physical traits to be a plus route runner, but he needs to refine some of what he does, especially I felt like he rounded out some routes. Uh, and also just in the red zone was where I was really concerned with Johnson as a route runner. I didn't think he sold his routes well in the red zone, didn't create that much separation. And then even if he didn't, wasn't great in those contested catch situations. 
And then I said, you know, he didn't face it often in the Big 12, but he does need to do a good job of or I, it's still an unknown to me if he can beat press man coverage at the NFL level because it just doesn't you don't see it a lot. No, you don't see it too much. I feel like you did a pretty good job against Kansas State and Julius Brents, who's a pretty good press cornerback, but you're right. And I have that in the weakness as well. I have very similar ones. Like, look, he played the majority of his 2022 snaps on the left side, much more of a body catcher than a hands catcher, had a bunch of frustrating drops, eight total drops this season. A lot of them were just kind of frustrating concentration type ones, contested catches. We already brought that up ad nauseum to this point. Struggled to consistently adjust to catches that were thrown slightly behind him, I felt like, especially when he was running horizontally horizontally just stopping himself and adjusting it's just a couple plays that popped up on film that i felt like it was something to note limited route tree ran a lot of verticals drag screen slants seemed to overthink double moves and i have a play against oklahoma state in and which is running right now i don't know if they'll actually show it but i don't know if that will be a huge issue throughout his tape never had more than six touchdowns one year of elite production there were times when he was squeezed close to the sidelines on vertical routes, which kind of limited him from getting his feet in bounds. Some of that was also Max Duggan's inaccurate passes. But at the same time, I do feel like the cornerback maintained solid body positioning on him. And that only happened a couple of times, but again, felt it was necessary to know. And then only an adequate blocker despite his size, which isn't the biggest deal, but something to, uh, something to bring up. Yeah, something to definitely bring up. I want to bring up a couple more things that stood out to me, and then we can get into if you have an NFL comp for him. I have a comp, and if you don't, I, know I you hate don't comps. These. Yeah, I know you hate yeah. the comps, but I think they're fun. So if you want to do it, you don't have to. Whatever, but you you can be a you can be a party pooper today, Nick, if you really want to. If you don't want to, do let, it, let me think of one because I haven't thought right, of one yet. Start thinking. <laughs> start thinking. Um, but then we're gonna get into the five. We're gonna wrap up with does he fit the Giants? Does he fit what they want to do? Is there a chance to get him at twenty five? And if not, is this a player we would want to trade up for? But before we do that, I did want to mention one thing that I didn't think we brought up. There's that double move, by the way, that I think I was referring to earlier, right? Yeah, not the yeah seven played it very well too. He did, but that's not that's doesn't look the same as when you watch like Zay Jones, right? Or Zay Flowers, yeah. Or sorry, Zay Flowers. I'm gonna keep calling him Zay Jones for the rest of the time. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's just not as smooth getting at getting out of that break. No, it doesn't doesn't really look it. It doesn't really look like the same. But and that's something that definitely um, you know, worries me a little bit with a player like this. But one thing I do want to mention is he did rack up 22.1 yards per catch as a freshman, which I thought was really interesting. I love to see something that um I think is player profile. I don't know who really started this, but something a good trend, like the, you know, good um not trend. What's the, what's the right word for this or what's the right term for this? There's good data analytically to suggest that breakout age is important. And if you break out at a young age and a lot of the players who have broken out at a young age have been ultimately become uh, the prospects that you want to invest in. Why is this the case? Well, just thinking of it logically, right? If you're 18 years old and you're playing against 20, 20 to 21 year old college players and you're performing and dominating against them that's a really good sign of what you can be moving forward because obviously you know you're 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 you know you're not as old as them you don't have you're not as physically developed as them your body's not going to physically develop fully developed for a few years then and he was really good as a freshman and even you know throughout his career he finishes with what 17.9 yards per catch average that's a really good yards per catch average he's obviously just demonstrated the ability to be a big play player um okay nick Let's do it. I gave you a little bit of time, not much. Do you have an NFL comp for him or do you want me to go first? I, I would like you to go okay. first. Yes. So I've seen this one. This is not my comp pick. Um, and sometimes I'll claim my own if I say it first and I don't see it, which is funny because people are saying things about NFL prospects 100, you know, 
every second of every day. So someone has said something before. So nothing is really your own. But this is one that I've seen and I really like. He reminds me a lot of former Steelers wide receiver Martavius Bryant. That's a lot of what I see in this player. Um, I thought maybe he has a little bit more size than him and fit should be a more physical receiver than him, but he's not really a more physical receiver than Bryant, though maybe he can eventually tap into that. But that's kind of what I see. You know, Bryant was long. He was really good on the vertical plane, and he was surprisingly good after the catch, Martavius Bryant. So that's kind of the player I see in him. XFL great Martavis Bryant. I believe yeah. he's playing in the Is XFL. Oh my God. I believe so. They actually have some real dudes, bro. I went through one of their rosters yeah. and I was like, holy crap. I was in DC recently and uh, my buddy was staying at a hotel where I think the Seattle team was staying because they were playing the okay. Arlington team. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, look at this, man. They're all here. And it was pretty cool, but I didn't recognize anybody. But I don't think that's unfair. I'm pretty sure I've seen that before as well, the Martavis Bryant one. I didn't evaluate Martavis Bryant. I believe he went to Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I didn't evaluate him coming out of school, but remembering his time with Pittsburgh, it, it seems like it's similar to to Quentin Johnston, just really a big body receiver who has unique movement ability and athletic ability and burst and acceleration and speed, but isn't a complete wide receiver. I believe Martavis Bryant, um, he flared out for a few different reasons in the NFL. Mostly right? I think it was off field stuff, but yeah. 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 That's what I, that's what I thought. So yeah, I'll go with that because I don't really yeah. like cop. Uh, I didn't really have another one that, uh, that really popped in my mind, but I do think he fits that archetype as just a big body wide receiver. And I want to, before I bring up the New York Giants, have read my synopsis sure. on him. So my synopsis at the end of every report I do, I write like you know, two paragraphs on, on what I think about the player. And this is Quentin Johnston's Quentin Johnston has an elite combination of athletic ability, size, and length that will easily assist the team that selects him in April. Johnston has dangerous deep threat abilities, but is an effective weapon on all three levels of the field. One of Johnston's best traits is the ability to get vertical and make the first man miss after securing a catch on a route facing the quarterback. Curl comebacks for that. He's the ideal fit for Jason Garrett-led offense. Said I had that in the profile. His success is not limited to stagnant routes because he's dynamic running vertically or horizontally with excellent speed, burst, and acceleration. There's a lot to appreciate about his game, but he does leave some to be desired. He's more of a body catcher who doesn't thrive in contested catch situations despite his size. His route tree was also limited and he'll likely have to refine his route running and release package at the next level. Despite some quibbles, Johnson offers ideal size and explosive playmaking ability while also possessing the change of direction skills and short area quickness to make defenders look silly in tight spaces. Johnson will likely be selected on the first day of the 2023 NFL draft. And I have a high second round grade on him. Okay. And I like all that high second round grade. Let's see now specifically turning this over and we might want to turn the uh, video off because it's, just playing a YouTube uh, ad for somebody, but, but specifically have fits the giants. The first question I want to ask you is, do you think he fits the current offensive system the Giants have? That's my first. Before we get into does he fit the wide receiver room, what they have there now versus what they need, first question is does he fit the system that we saw in 2022? There were a couple times, again, zone coverage where I felt like I saw some processing and some savvy decision-making in terms of his ability to uncover or to get a defender to react in a way that was advantageous to the offense. But you don't really see a lot of choice routes in that offense at all at TC, It was a lot of verticals. Right. It was a lot of screens, a lot of things like that. Do I think he could be an asset on the Giants? Absolutely. Of course. But I can't sit here and say, look, he's going to have the savvy ability to do what Isaiah Hodgins did. Because people like knock the Giants wide receiver. I'm like Isaiah Hodgins, watch the tape, dude. Right. Some of the ways he was able to manipulate coverages and find ways to get open. It's one of the most underrated traits that a wide receiver can possess is the mental processing 
in order to uncover against defenses because you have to process the defense pre to post snap like a quarterback does recognize what they're doing and then be on the same page with the quarterback and Isaiah Hodgins was able to do that with Daniel Jones having absolutely no experience with Daniel Jones that says a lot about Isaiah Hodgins I can't confidently say Quentin Johnston can do that because you just don't see it on his tape but that doesn't mean he can't be trained into doing that that's where it comes in Joe Shane, Brian Dable, Mike Grow, the Giants wide receiver coach, when they interview the kid and they start talking about him, they start talking about plays and they start to see how he is and start to see how smart he is and things like that. That's where you can make that type of determination. But it's kind of hard to glean that from the film just because he wasn't asked to do it. Yeah, it's a great point. I think with like a player like Julian Edelman who played quarterback and helped him become the dominant inside yeah. receiver he was the NFL because he understands that. And if you watch Hodgins tape, one thing that was so that he did so well, and he talked about how he learned this from his time in Buffalo working with Stefan Diggs, is how he attacked his routes. And I feel like with Hodgins, at the, even in those in-breaking routes, like those quick slants or whatever, it was like a quick in, he did a great job of setting up the route with his footwork, mm. with the stab of his right leg, and then he cuts inside. That's not something I see a great job. I see a great deal of when I watch Quinton Johnston. I saw a guy who had a good release package off the line of scrimmage, especially on the vertical routes. That was something I think he's worked on. He's refined it but as far as in the middle of his route like at the top of that break that's the part that i want to see that's why i love zay flowers, zay flowers. i was zay just flowers. about to say it dan that, and those are always my receivers those are the my guys those are and i did like christian watson a lot who's not that kind of receiver if you have other stuff i like it too but that's what i really want and i know that's what the giants want too they want that that receiver who attacks the middle of his route right at the top of his break he can create that separation and i'm curious we haven't watched him yet but i i just from watching so much and betting so much Caleb Williams this year, because he's my boy, I watched a lot of Jordan Addison. And I think you're going to like Addison, too, for this exact reason. I think he does a good job of that as well. But as Quinton Johnson goes, I don't know necessarily if he's the perfect fit for this offense right now. He'll add a vertical element. He'll change the way defenses have to play the Giants, maybe, but not necessarily. Only if the Giants actually go to him and take shots downfield early in games and force defenses to be like, all right, we really can't let this guy go one-on-one on the outside with that much space because the Giants are going to keep attacking us down the field. I need to see it before I can believe that Daniel Jones is going to be a quarterback who's going to do that early and often in games. Last year, he was a safe quarterback all the time, basically, with the exception of a few plays and a few games. So until I see more of that from Giants, yes, I think he can help them in certain ways. Like they're going to run some stick. Like it's not like they run no spacing stick last year. They did occasionally. And there's going to be mesh concepts where he's coming across the middle as that last drag receiver that we often saw with Hodgins. He catches the ball and now he turns it into an extra 10 yards for the Giants that Hodgins wouldn't. But those are so minute. Like those aren't big enough for me versus what a guy who actually fits what the Giants want to do can do for this offense so i don't think he's a great fit for the system now let me ask you this is he a good fit for what the giants need currently at wide receiver in your mind again i think there's a lot of questions about the ability to uncover against certain coverages and just kind of the processing behind that but i do believe adding somebody who is six foot four 215 pounds with his type of movement skills it's always going to benefit you, but it also always comes down to cost and the cost benefit analysis of drafting this player at 25 when there are other players who can really help your roster who will be available as well. And I don't think Quentin Johnston, and I haven't done all the all the tape, I don't think he would be my number one choice for the New York Giants. I think I'd prefer Zay Flowers for the New York Giants specifically. And I think, let me pull up my grades on the two players. I have Johnston ranked a smidge above Zay Flowers, but I think for the Giants, prefers a flowers. It really just depends on what you're doing with your offense at the moment. I do think Quentin Johnston will be drafted well ahead 
of Zay Flowers because of that size, because of that athletic ability. And that's what a lot of general managers are looking for. I don't think Joe Shane is just looking for that. He's basically said as much a couple of days ago at the press conference. Yeah, I guess my answer to that would be he does fit what the Giants would need. The Giants don't have a wide receiver on their team who's six foot four with this kind of vertical speed. They don't have a unique athlete like that. Every team wants an X receiver like this who can move at that speed at that size. So he fits what the Giants don't have, but I don't really think I care as much about building the wide receiver room anymore the way you're supposed to. Or like, and look, there's gonna be there's a huge ceiling with Johnson that Zay Flowers does not have and never will have based on his size, I don't think. And you could say that about the rest of the wide receiver class. To me, he's the highest ceiling receiver. But ceiling is only one thing to talk about. It's not the be all end all. And you not a lot of these players don't reach their ceiling. And for what I'm looking for at the wide receiver position, both for overall and then for the specific system. I'm not sure it matters that we don't have a player like this right now. We need to get guys who can separate, who can attack routes, who can fit this kind of system and the routes that they run. And based on what I saw on tape last year, there are definitely better fits for this system. So while he may be a fit for what the Giants don't have currently, because they don't, Hodgins is not this kind of player, right? He's six foot four, no. but he's not anywhere near as fast as this type of guy or as elusive in space, the kind of footwork that this guy has. He has like the best ceiling by far, but, and he'll probably ultimately be my wide receiver one in this class. But that doesn't, I don't even know if I totally feel that way because these are, this is just not what I look for in a wide receiver personally. And the good news for me, because I don't like this in receiver, is that the Giants don't seem to be looking for these, these types of traits either, to be from what I've seen, from what Joe Shane has said and what he's done so far. And maybe that'll change. But I think having locked themselves into and found what they liked in Isaiah Hodgins gives them the ability to take more receivers who are more of the separator types because they know they already have a Hodgins on the roster. And you already, and there are quite a few, right? Like Jordan Addison, I can't wait to watch yeah. him, but I've heard he's a separate. You have Jalen Hyatt, who is much different, much more of a deep threat out of Tennessee, yep. Zay Flowers. And then you have like guys like Tank Dell and stuff who are just like five foot eight, 163 pounds. And that's really problematic to me. Like Tank Dell has the best change of direction that I've seen yet in the draft. Like that dude running routes, bro. It's, it's so crazy, sudden. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, how he can go from like 20 miles per hour to nothing like that. It's exactly. very, very impressive. And that's ultimately, if you're just saying like in a nutshell, like this is, this is more 30,000 foot view, but in a nutshell, what I think is the best trait to have as a receiver is that now you need other things with it. Obviously, like you can't just have that. Cause then you have like the, what's his name, the kid from West, Vir uh, West Virginia who never made it, but had that, um, Kevin white. No, 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 no. The, uh, Tavon Austin, like oh, so Tavon, you can't yeah. just have that trait, but ultimately if you have that trait and a little bit more, then you become Antonio Brown. Right. Like that's, that's like, you don't even need that much more to get to the Antonio Brown level. I don't think if you have, and that's why Antonio Brown was that best receiver for so long. He wasn't big. He wasn't even the fastest type, but he had that trait better than anyone else. And if the giants are dead set and I don't think they are, and Joe Shane has said as much, but say they are dead set to add a big bodied wide receiver for whatever reason, you can get somebody a little bit later, like a Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. Who's like, to do a better job of catching away from his frame and in much better catch situations. Like, and if you yeah. just want speed, you can wait and take uh, the kid from Cincinnati, Tyler Scott, or Jalen mm -hmm. Hyde. Like it's, so it's like I don't know what Quinton Johnson is giving. That's that's the problem with Quinton Johnson. If he was a more physical receiver, grading contested catch situations, catches away from frame, Giants would never have a chance at him. But then I would obviously be more interested as well. I think about Tillman too, and I don't know if we'll do a draft profile, and maybe when we do Jalen Hyatt's, we might we'll have to. I haven't, I haven't watched him yet. Yeah.
Well, he doesn't really have a lot of tape from this year because he had a high ankle sprain. He came back and played through it like, you know, five weeks later, but wasn't necessarily 100%. But if you go back to 2021, you could see a receiver that everybody was, you know, clamoring about and talking about a six foot three, 215 right. pound wide receiver who can jump up and command the catch point and come down with the football, who has excellent size, who is not the athlete of Quentin Johnston, but lives up to the big body wide receiver who I feel like can go into the NFL and actually really produce. Not that Quentin Johnston can't. But I just feel like from a big bodied standpoint, Tillman fits the bill much more than, say, a Quentin Johnston, who plays a little bit more like a small wide receiver in a big guy's frame. Yeah. And that's something interesting to think about, too. OK, last thing to wrap up with here. If he's if he's there at 25 overall, would you select Quentin Johnston? If the Giants went in that direction, I don't think I would be upset, but I don't think he'd be my first choice either. I don't believe he will be there at 25. So. Yeah, that, that's that's how I'll phrase it. I don't yeah. know if that's me getting I, out of the I question. I think I want to start question, actually. You know why? Because we're this is too early in the process. We haven't seen all these receivers yet. It is. No, we haven't seen all the receivers yet. But I, I don't know if he would be the best wide receiver for the New York Giants, as yeah. we brought up. And that's just focusing on the wide receiver position. There are other right. position groups that, I mean, if some of those corners are around, I'd probably be much more inclined to add them to the roster. So I'm not – and again, I still have tape to watch on a lot of these guys, but I'm starting to get really – uh, freshened up with this draft class and it's exciting. I freaking love draft season. Yeah, the draft's so much fun. I love doing it too. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to save those kind of ones for maybe like we do a wrap up at some point when we, when we talk, as we get closer to the draft, we're going to do top five by every position, sleepers, breakouts, bus for every position. So that's when we'll talk more about, you know, where these guys stack up and if we want them at 25, but anything else before we close the book right now on this Johnson pro Johnston profile. Yeah, no, the Johnson Johnson, I don't like the Johnson Johnston either. I do not like it. At all, it's a very, it's a very important T. You need to I pronounce know, but it. I, it. Just who is the Johnston? I don't need a Johnston. Just be a Johnson. <laughs> just be a Johnson. <laughs> Make it easier. Don't be a here. dick. All no, right. I yeah, exactly. You know, I have problems pronouncing names in the first place. All right. Anyway, I guess that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is our first draft profile. More to come. Let us know if you liked how it goes. Let us know. Please actually do us a favor here because we want to we want to craft these draft profiles in a way that is best for everyone so let us know anything else you would want to hear in a draft profile do you want to hear i don't know a question more specific or you know any anything different than what we did also in addition to that let us know if you like the video component of it if you're watching on youtube we added some highlights this year to the draft if profile. youtube allows us if youtube to. allows us we're, we're toying with some things we'll see if we get any copyright issues or anything like that i shouldn't even say the word maybe they're like listening and tracking if they hear that word they like come back i don't know let's just gonna let's that's a little conspiracy theory uh tinfoil hat business there but anyway hopefully you guys enjoyed it have a good rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.